Welcome to the Veterinary Business Matters Podcast brought to you by Oculus Insights. Here we will discuss topics related to veterinary business management. From small to large animal, this podcast strives to give you the insight and tools to help you improve your veterinary business. Oculus Insights, supporting businesses where great people want to be. Hi, it's Mike Pounthole again with uh, Oculus Insights, and we're back with another of our COVID-19 Veterinary Resilience webinars, or excuse me, podcasts, podcasts. Um, we got so much going on. We got webinars, we got podcasts, we got blogs. I'm joined again uh, with uh, Katie Arneline of Oculus Insights. She is our human resource specialist. Katie, welcome. Hi, Mike. So we were looking at some articles we can discuss, and boy, there's a lot going on around COVID-19 and how businesses are are dealing with it, and there are businesses that are dealing with it really poorly, and there are those that are dealing with it really well. So Katie, why don't you talk about the article that you pulled out, and we'll have this article link in the podcast notes, but talk about this article and why it resonated with you. Certainly. So um, this article is called How Crisis Will Define Your Employer Brand. Uh, It's by Human Resources Director Canada. And like Mike said, we'll have the link online for everybody to look at. I've been doing, obviously, you know, in supporting clients and and just keeping on top of what's happening. I've been doing a lot of research on what companies are doing right now and how they're dealing with staff. And, uh, you know, even amongst our Oculus clients, you know, there's a range of how people are dealing with staff and the extent to which they are communicating uh, varies depending on the culture of the company. So I thought that this article, which is by Rachel Reynosa, uh, was quite interesting because it really talks about how, you know, Mark Cuban, billionaire, Mark Cuban said, you know, how companies tackle the crisis is going to define their brand for decades. And I think certainly from a financial perspective, that's true, but also from uh, you know how we treat the humans that work for us as well, you know the people on our team, it's going to leave a very lasting impression on them. This is a time when people are pretty sensitive. They're really hyper aware of, of their situation and what this all means for them. So we have a duty as employers to take care of them in a certain way. So this article uh, was sort of talking about the do's and don'ts and how easy it is to damage your reputation, you know, among your employees, but also among the public, depending on how you deal with things. And since we have, you know, so many veterinary clients who are still deemed essential services, but there's still a bit of a lack of definition about, you know, what services will actually provide. I think that this is a really timely article. Yeah. And I know it's something that, you know, within my own vet practice that we've had to deal with in the last bit, it's interesting. And there is a bit of parallel to this in 2008, when a lot of companies were shedding jobs, there was a mindset of, well, hey, people should just be so happy that they're working, we can do what we want. But you know what, this will end. And when it ends, people remember how they are treated. And as the economy rebounds, they may be, you know what, hey, now I have a chance for another job. This person showed me no loyalty or they are absolute creeps during this. I'm out of here. And I think particularly in the vet space, I mean, boy, three weeks ago, we'd be having a conversation and we did have a conversation on one of our webinars of how to hire people Mm -hmm. because there's such a shortage of veterinarians and great support staff for a business. Now uh, I've already heard about vets being laid off and, you know, technicians, receptionists, what have you being laid off. So you have to have a bit of a long view on this. And also, I think you got to treat people the way you'd want to be treated. Absolutely. And I think now, too, with a large portion of the workforce working from home, which could include a number of your veterinary practice staff, it's a different challenge as far as making sure that you're taking care of everybody and communicating effectively uh, so that everybody gets the same message. 
So let's talk about communication. Let's talk about how uh, practice leaders, managers, owners should be communicating with their staff both on-site and off-site because I know of a few practices that are really embracing telemedicine and that's allowing some of their vets to work from home. So let's go through the methods of communication. So I think, you know, the general theme that is pretty consistent no matter where your employees are is the importance of regular, honest, transparent communication. So often we try and be perfect in our communication and we try and make sure that we have all the information and we don't want to confuse people. We don't want to upset them unnecessarily. But right now, you know, it's super important to making sure that we're not waiting for having all of the information or having the perfect answer. We need to get communication out there on a regular basis, whether it's daily or twice a day or whatever the case may be. You know, the absence of communication, that vacuum is the perfect place for room at a start for people to be unhappy and people to sort of make up their own reality. So, you know, it's okay to, to not know. It's okay to say, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but this is what we're doing today and this is how we're taking care of you. So that's, I think the most basic thing is that regularity. And even if you don't have much to share, just saying, this is my email for today, or this is my communication for today. We don't have a lot to share, but as a reminder, this is where we've been and this is where we're going. Yeah, for sure. And I think you bring on a good point. You know, I noticed with our own staff is they read the news, they know what's going on Their Their family, friends are being affected and they know, and they're expecting bad news. And so mm-hmm. to try to sugarcoat it or dance around it or not answer questions, remain opaque, it's going to raise the level of suspicion really, really high. So I think my approach has been to be as honest as possible. Like, you know, hey, well, this is what we got to do. And if, if this happens, this will mean that we will have to do some layoffs, but we don't want that. So yeah, I think we got to be brutally honest. Yeah. And I think also, you know, making sure that you're careful about your messaging as well. If you are telling them that we are making staff our priority, and then you don't actually back that up with the actions, that's not so nice. If your aim is that it's just about the bank, and it's about making sure that depending on your financial situation, that we want to keep our payroll as low as possible, because we need to cut costs, be honest about that. I think people, like you said, people are sort of braced for bad news and not that you want to take advantage of that, but there's no point in sugarcoating it and there's no point in making empty promises either. So you need to be able to actually follow through. And so when we do the communication, I mean, are we talking doing emails, texting, phone calls? What is the best way to communicate with your staff? There's no one size fits all answer, but really you could ask your employees how they want to be communicated with. And I think using multiple channels isn't a bad idea either, you know, making sure that everybody has the same opportunity to get the news at the same time. So whether that's email or phone call, a daily email, and then twice a week phone calls, um, maybe even recording a video message from the owner of the practice or management saying, you know, this is where we are and this is where we're going. Any of those methods are good. And I think at this time, you need to remind yourself that you need to ask the staff what it is that they need. You know, it might be different if if they're working from home, then what they need might be different than when they were working in the office. So you really need to, to cover all your bases. I don't think you can over-communicate at this time. So I wouldn't be worried about uh, blasting people with information. Yeah, I really think, and I just wrote a blog on this yesterday in terms of just my experience as being a leader and talking about communication is just, they're looking to us for an answer. And there is so much uncertainty out there. And even if what we're going to tell them is uncertainty, uh, the fact that we're addressing it is better than nothing. And so I'm trying to be out there as much as possible. And I sometimes think I'm under communicating and I'm doing it every day. So 
Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the people that are working at home because this is interesting. This is brand new for us, you know, to have employees working from different locations from home. So I know in our practice, we have a good half dozen people working from home. These are people that don't need to be client facing or they're in a position where they have a family who are immunocompromised or susceptible to the disease. How should we be communicating with those people? How do we keep them engaged with what's going on? Well, I think you sort of alluded to it there. People have so many different situations. Uh, There's no one size fits all answer for people at home. So I think, you know, the basic thing to remember is that we need to be flexible at this time and be a bit empathetic to people's situations. I can't imagine trying to do my job with having kids around and, and trying to get that done. I have utmost respect for parents who are dealing with that right now. But, you know, being understanding if somebody can't make a call right at 10 o'clock on the nose, being flexible. Uh, But I think from a communication standpoint, and as somebody who's worked from home for quite a while, making sure that you connect with people, making sure that you reach out to them on an individual basis and make sure you understand how they're doing, ask them what they need, check in with them personally as much as possible but also uh, be understanding about their situation, like I mentioned, but also respect their boundaries. So just because they're working from home now doesn't mean they're working from home 24-7. So if you want to reach out to somebody at 8 o'clock, you know, just understand that you might not get an answer and, and try not to uh, have the expectation that that person has to respond to you right away. So understanding that it's it's a whole different scene and, it, and people don't necessarily have an office at home. They have all different sorts of setups. So being empathetic to that variety of experience that they're having at home is really important. You know, you, you bring up a really good point, and I think it's something that we would have discussed um, in the absence of, of the COVID-19, and it's something I'm sure we will discuss when it's all over, and that is our expectations of people working now. So, you know, I think when we're looking at people from home, they may not be working eight hours a day or, or whatever, or whatever their shift is, but they'll be getting their work done. And I think that's the key thing is, you know, I'm actually finding that being at home, I've been self-isolating for the last couple of weeks because I just came back from overseas. I'm really productive because I'm not driving around. I'm not doing this. Uh, we're learning that there's a lot fewer meetings need to happen. At the end of the day, I'm like, everything has been pretty well checked off. And sometimes I'm comparing to how many hours I would work before. And I'm not working as many hours, I'll be honest. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that we need to appreciate with our people that are staying at home, even the people that are staying at the clinics, because we're not as busy as we have been. Absolutely. I know a lot of practice managers, I've, I've had so many conversations that then it just bugs me when I see people being idle. Idle's Okay. And this time, you know, everybody has so many stresses on them beyond work. The fundamental question is, will I get this disease that's going to kill me? We're okay to be a bit idle. The job's getting done. We're happy with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it really speaks to sort of the culture of the company and um, the, the foundation that you've laid to trust that the people at home are getting their work done. You know, if you have tendencies towards micromanagement as a manager, this is a really good test for you. Uh, to let your employees sort of do their jobs and, and to trust them that they're going to do the right thing and they're going to get their work done. But like you said, understanding that, you know, this is a really stressful, potentially devastating situation. We have to be um, sensitive to that. You know, we're getting to the point now, the other night I was looking at something on Netflix and I was watching this, this uh, chef show and then also in the chef that was on it, I just found out it was a famous chef from New York who had died the week before. And then I was listening to some music and the writer of the song had just died that morning. And these are public people, but I think this is getting close to home with a lot of people. So I think the fact that they're able to come to work and devote significant energy and thought to it is 
commendable right there. And going back to, and I don't think we can say it enough, if you're the one that's always saying, if you're not busy, you know, if you're not looking busy, you're not working hard, I mean, we got to back off on that. Mm-hmm. Because we need to talk a little bit about just how should we take care of our staff that's on site with all that's going on, social distancing, but we still want to handle our patients. That's why we're here. Are there any tips that you would have just to make sure you're keeping that work environment as stress-free as possible and respectful? Absolutely. So, I mean, along the same vein as uh, people working from home, you know, checking in with them on a personal one-on-one basis, you know, in a group, they might not be comfortable with sharing their fears or their anxieties or asking a question. So checking in with them one-on-one and really making sure that you understand what they're after. That's the most important thing. You know, how are you feeling? How are things going? Do you feel comfortable making sure that you ask them, is there anything else that we can be doing for you here? You know, whether it's from a, you know, social distancing or protective Uh, measures type perspective? Or, you know, is there a different way that we need to be talking to clients? You know, how are the clients reacting? Really making sure that we're taking care of them. So just because somebody is in the office and not working at home doesn't mean that we can't let them be flexible as well. So, you know, is there creative scheduling that we come up with if they have childcare pressures that they didn't have three weeks ago? You know, how can we make it work for them? And really making sure that we're, again, empathetic and tuned into sort of their mental health and making sure that they're still okay with being at work and giving them breaks just because they're at work and, and it might be a smaller staff because you have people off who are ill or who are in isolation or whatever the case may be. Remembering that these people need a break as well, seeing how you can be creative about making sure they have that time to decompress. For sure. There's another article that I I found uh, from the Harvard Business Review titled, The Coronavirus Crisis Doesn't Have to Lead to Layoffs. And it's an interesting article on the default for a lot of people is our sales are going to go down. We're just going to have to cut people. Mm-hmm. And there are some things that they said in this article. And it was, just, it was interesting as I was reading it because it's sort of as we were talking about communicate openly for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, I like the one line of instead of forcing your employees to second guess might be going on. Be clear with them about the health of the practice financially and what we're trying to prioritize. The other thing is share the pain. And so mm-hmm. I think uh, we hear about some, you know, these really well-paid tech executives that are saying, well, I'll go salary-free for a year. And I doubt there are many veterinary owners that could say, hey, I can go salary-free for a year. It's not like we have the same profitability of a Mm. large tech company. I'll give an example. We reduced hours at our practice 5%. And everybody, I said, this is our first step. We're going to take 5% off everybody's salary. That includes the owners. And I was very emphatic from up top that we're all in this together. I think showing the staff that you're feeling the pain too is, is amazing. The other thing that I think is very helpful, and I've been seeing that, I remember doing this at home and, or in our own business and reading this article, and I was like, oh, good, I'm on the right track. And that is really working with the employees to get ideas on how mm-hmm. to get through this crowdsource ideas. So, for example, I went in there and said, you know, what I want is everybody to work. And so let's say we have to reduce payroll by 20%. You know, if we have a group of five people, instead of laying one off so the four of them can have full hours, let's all work 20% less. So that keeps everybody employed. And everybody has been right on board with that. Mm-hmm. And I've been using that to say like, okay, are we doing the right social distancing? Are we, you know, handling the appointments? And, you know, the ones who are actually on the front lines doing it have wonderful ideas. I'm finding that I'm crowdsourcing more and more now. I don't know if you're seeing that with some of the practices that you're working with, Katie. Definitely. Yeah. As managers and as owners, we definitely have intricate knowledge of our business, but we might not have intricate knowledge of 
how things could be scheduled efficiently or people who are answering the phone all day long in the front office or who are carrying equipment in and out of barns or doing intake in the parking lot for the people's pets. They have a much different perspective than we do. And it's it's so important to listen to them. And, and the collective is definitely much smarter than the individual. Keeping that in mind and letting yourself go and as a manager and being willing to take those opinions, and willing to put them into practice uh, really goes a long way with the staff. And, and like you said, you mentioned how your staff have bought in because everybody's in it together. And uh, I think that that's a really important point is people are going to be more willing to make personal sacrifices if they understand that it's something that everybody's doing. I think that said, sometimes it's uh, we get a bit paralyzed because we're trying so hard to be fair. And I think sometimes we have to have a balance between making things quite fair and equitable for everybody and making decisions that are best for the business. And I don't mean, you know, this person's expendable and we'll just let them go or we'll lay them off, but just being sure that we're being upfront with people. Yep. And we'll talk a little bit about that next week on Tuesday, April 7th. We're doing a webinar on leadership in times of crisis and talking about situational leadership of how you adapt your leadership style to a situation. And boy, this is a great uh, example of this, what we're going through, because every day seems to be a bit different. Yeah. I think the other area where I want to talk about too is what we can do to help support our employees is support them with the clients. We're asking them to mm-hmm. go out and interact with people. And yes, we're requesting social distancing and we do have processes in place. But unfortunately, not everybody respects that. I've heard some examples recently within my own practice of going and people are actually trying to crowd around and are just like back off. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to really support our staff to say to them, you know, you, you're working in a situation and the way this works is that people are going to keep six feet, two meters away from you. And I support you to, to do that. And so telling clients, Hey, you're getting too close. Can you please step back? And if they're not going to step back saying, I cannot continue with this appointment, Mm -hmm. we're going to stop right now. And I think we have to support our staff in those situations. Absolutely. I mean, there's really no reason not to. And I mean, I I could see as a stressed out horse owner myself in an emergency situation, I want to get right in there and I might forget or even I found myself at the grocery store. You're so excited that you get to be out and about (laughs) that you forget to, you know, let the person go by in the aisle before you go down or whatever the case may be. So understanding that clients might not be doing it on purpose, but if they kind of cross that line into, well, that's just stupid, or, you know, I'm not going to do that, then I I agree, you know, empowering people to say, I'm going to have to leave if we can't come to some kind of an agreement here on how we're going to proceed. Uh, But again, that goes back to empowering your staff and uh, making sure that they understand and that, that you're actually walking the the walk as far as we support you and your health is of our utmost concern. And if that means we have to walk away from a client in a situation, then that's absolutely acceptable. Yep. Well, we will come back and we'll be returning to the subject a lot because I think the the foundation of all of our businesses are the people that are in it. And as this progresses and it changes on a daily, hourly basis, sometimes we will be finding more areas of discussion. What we would request, if you do have any questions about HR, we have our Facebook page. Please post them there. You can also email us, info at oculusinsights.net, and we would be very happy to respond to any of them in future podcasts. Katie, thank you very much. Great insight, and we'll probably be back in another week and talk about this more because I said this is just more information. The more we can share it, we'll all get through this together. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Mike. Thanks. 
At Oculus Insights, we care a lot about animals, but we also care about the health of the veterinary profession. Our goal is to support veterinary businesses around the world by helping you clear your path to success.